Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. My guest today, returning for his second appearance on American Glutton, author, podcaster, and media personality, Michael Malice. He is the best-selling author of The Anarchist's Handbook, which is out now. You can find him on Instagram, at Michael Malice. Michael Malice, you are welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. I guess my favorite part of the show was learning how to pronounce your last name. I know. We've already done, and that's it. Thank you. What 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 has happened to you this year? What do you mean? I mean, you look fucking fantastic, and I thought you looked fantastic the last time you were here a year ago, and we were you have body dysmorphia i have body dysmorphia yeah. these are real issues Can, do you look at yourself in, and by the way i think my favorite single tweet you've ever done oh. is um body dysmorphia is when the guy in the mirror is more jacked than you are <laughs> and you had a picture of yourself and you were fucking muscle bound in right. this picture and i I felt that I felt attacked by that <laughs> tweet because this is my life. I look in the mirror and I'm like, well, certain angles are a disaster, but then certain angles, I'm like, who is that person? The first time I got abs, um, I looked in the mirror coming out of a shower and I thought to myself, wow, that guy's uh, pretty lean. Right. And I paused and that was uh, proof to me that I have a legitimate mental illness. Yeah. When you look at, and you know, mental illness can get severe. It could be mild. This is, as far as mental illnesses go, not that intense. But when you look at the mirror and have an alienation from that, and you realize, because you hear about growing up about like anorexics and um, uh, bulimics, which is predominantly females, of course, young females. And when they're asked to, like which of these um, silhouettes matches your silhouette, they'll always think it's like two degrees away and like heavier. And it's hard for people to understand what it's like to be unable to uh, trust the mirror because that's data. It's like this is a thing of water and we know it's a thing of water. What else is there? There's not even a discussion to be had, but it's like this is like my buddy Trey Goff – he has it too. He helps me out a lot. Like he was looking really good at the gym, and he tells his coach, uh, "Let's find another mirror with different lighting because the mirror's wrong." <laughs> and we laugh because on paper this is a crazy person, but emotionally this is our reality. And I think it. You know, I discussed this the last time I was on uh, a Rogan, and he was giving me shit for it. I don't think people appreciate how real this is yeah. and how um, at a certain point, I think you and I, it's like, okay, we have to own this. Yeah. Like this is just our brains and we have a handicap or whatever it is. And it's just like in, in, in a literal sense, we're not capable of perceiving things as they are. Yeah. Um, or valuing them as we even think we would. Yeah. 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 So like now, cause I was leaning out a lot uh, and then COVID hit. And, and, you know, you gyms close, you fall away, whatever, and, and cycle into a very bad place. But now, finally, everything's falling back into place, and, and I'm uh, kind of pleased. But I still do have that cognitive uh, d- um, distance yeah. um, from what I'm perceiving. Is it is it something that that sneaks up on you? And, and I find, too, that um, it can swing both ways. Like I can have a moment where I'm just like, holy shit, look what I've done. This is incredible. But that feeling doesn't last. That feeling goes away. Well, I also, it's, this is the, this is what it's like. So there was that movie. um, What was his name? Where it's like, Oh, you look Photoshopped. Uh, Oh yeah. What was that movie? I know that. What's the actor's name? Um, He was in like magic Mike, I think later. or something. Yes. Um, 
It's not. It's not Channing Tatum. Is it Channing? Tatum? No, it's not Channing Tatum. No, it's the it, other guy. It's yeah, Ryan uh, something. Yeah, Ryan Gosworth. Remember. Is that his name? I can't remember his name. And you look at the picture, and he doesn't have that impressive of a build by like you know people who are fitness models, or whatever. And you want to like yell at people, being like, "No, no, no! He's not actually in that great shape." Right. And then you realize. Well, if everyone thinks he's in great shape, what's wrong with you? I'm the one who's wrong. Yeah. Because that's what great shape means, which is what people look at and they go, okay, this is an impressive build. So it's completely, or like, you know, I've had, you know, like female friends to be like, oh, how does this look? How does that look? And when they give me the female perspective, I want to tell them, no, you're wrong. Yeah. This is too much or this is not enough. And it's like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. They're the ones whose perspective matters here. Yeah. It's so crazy i show my wife pictures of antoine your bodybuilder antoine valant yeah who's awesome yes and i go like this is what we're going for and my wife is like you're out of your mind <laughs> like you're actually crazy and i'm like no but that's that's it he did it yeah. what do you mean i'm out of my mind why shouldn't i shoot for that and then i really look at what it would take and it's like 10 to 15 years of only doing that yeah. much more than I do it. And I go like, no, it's not really that, but like, why not go for that a little bit? And she's like, cause that's not you. Yeah. There's no part of that that you need in your head. And I think this is probably like some girl looking at a supermodel and going, I need to have that body. And it's like, never going to i'm never gonna look like antoine ever but, but i think it's also the kind of thing that uh you know we talk about like normies versus us yeah like most guys like big boobs right right but then you have some of these like porn stars or whatever who have like triple h where it's just completely almost comical yeah and at, at a certain point i think almost everyone is like okay i like boobs too but this is, this is it, insane. It, it's insane yeah. right and more power to her she you know i'm sure these women it's tongue-in-cheek for them because they know it's cartoonish and ridiculous and it's the same thing with people like antoine it's like yeah i like a muscular dude but <laughs> at a certain point it's like you know it's like crazy um but for us, it's like, no, you're the crazy one. Yeah, you're the like, crazy one. Unless, it's just, unless she has triple H boobs, her boobs right. are too small. Yeah. And how, you can't defend What's wrong the with us? <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. I, I even think I first started showing my wife pictures of him as a joke. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And But then, like, within three instances of that, I was like, no, no, I think I need to do. Like, I yeah. think this is what I need to do. Not really. Like, I'm not actively working towards that. But, like... That's one of my weird, nefarious secret goals that I think is occluded from me most of the time, but pops in and I go, yeah, I want that. The other thing I don't think people appreciate is guys like that actually look smaller in pictures than in real life. Right. Because when you see like an IFBB pro in real life, it is like nothing you've seen just in terms of the size and like how defined they are. It doesn't look human at all. Yeah. And it's completely crazy looking. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who coaches me, Jared Feather, I'm actually bigger than him. And I, I've i taken pictures standing next to him a couple of times. And there have been many instances where I've taken a picture next to him and I look tiny. And I'm going like, I don't understand this. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's, there's things like angles. Like, I know how to do that. That's my job. You don't. Try it sometime. And I hit a, a good angle next to him, and my arms actually looked bigger. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is crazy. There's a guy named Craig Goliath out of Vegas who's like 350, 63, oh 350. Yes, you know, know yeah. He's, he's, he's a big like Instagram person. And there's another guy who runs a YouTube series called like Natty or Not, I think what it is. Yes, yes. Um, he says bro a lot. He's yeah, yeah, Canadian. Yeah, yeah. That guy's awesome. And he did one on Craig. He's like, is this guy this big in real life? And he's like, two things. Yes, Craig is absolutely a beast, but like he's also the king of the angles. And he's like, if I'm ever out with Craig and I want to take a picture with him, we have to be there for 10 minutes because he's got to get every angle exactly right because he's trying to be the biggest guy on earth. So yeah. that's wild. Yeah, it's, it's insane. We're the, absolutely insane. The mental illness is wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. What can we say? I mean, and then there's the, like, I had a high-sodium dinner, and I gained two pounds, and, like, my life is over. Oh, God. You know? I stopped drinking soy sauce, which I love, because the salt, <laughs> the next day you're going to lose definition. Right. This is, it's just like, wait, 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 okay, let's, let's get this straight. Let's get this straight. Let's get this straight, Malice. 
you're gonna have the soy sauce, which gives you a lot of pleasure with dinner. You love sushi and soy sauce, right? You used to put you put on your rice, you enjoy it. The next day, you're not gonna be sleeping with anyone. No one's gonna see you shirtless. You're not you're gonna lose your definition. You know a hundred percent, like literally hundred percent, two days after it, it's gonna snap back. Yeah. But you're still gonna be like, because in our brains if you lose it for one day, what if it's gone? What it's if I never get it back? <laughs> I never get it. could never come back. I honestly thought when I lost my leanness during COVID that I could never get it back. Yeah. I believed this. Yeah. And I when you are looking at pictures of yourself and and sincerely believe I could never attain this, that's another way that you are just a complete lunatic. Yeah. I did um a series of pictures with my shirt off for the first time ever. It was a, a, a terrifically uh, anxious experience sure. for me. But leading up to it, my coach put me through protocols of like, today you increase your salt and water, and then that's a few days, and now you decrease your salt and you increase your water. And all this stuff, basically, the whole point is so that like the day before photos – you are as what like lean as humanly possible. Yeah, all excess fluid is out of your system. So I'm going like no sodium for days, and I'm taking these pictures and like holy shit, there's like real depth in my abs. Like yeah. I could lose a knuckle sticking my finger between my abs, and then you come out of it and you have and you're again allowed to have salt and you're you're. You've been cutting, so you're increasing your carbs to maintenance and all of this. And suddenly that depth is gone. The panic. It's shattering. The panic attack. It's like I failed and yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. completely fucking normal. It, you notice? <laughs> it's fucking crazy, you know, dude. It's, it's, it's like when you're having a great relationship and you have the first fight and yeah. then she like leaves and she's yeah. like, I need some time to myself. Like, no, 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 come it's back. Over. Bring it back. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. go back to yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. How do we how do we beat this? I don't think we do. Well, I don't like, think we can. What is the what are the mechanisms you use just to get through it day to day? I have to have a crew of people, including you. Yeah. Because I'll look at a photo, and I'll say, I I have a friend, uh, Jake Allison. He's he's Canadian. He's on Instagram. His is a stronger, but with the number five instead of the letter S. He's just a complete ant. He's like breaks world records, but he looks like a kid. And he just got annoyed with me because I sent him a pic and I go, you know, I think this looks pretty good by normie standards. And he goes, okay, you need to stop saying by normie standards. Like you're like in your 40s, like you're like an author at a podcast. You're not a fitness personality. Right. You're not trying to be an IFBB pro in your board shorts. Like this looks good. Shut up. Mm-hmm. But like I – it's not a – it's like people think – I think they think that you – are looking to others for validation. I'm looking at them for actual data. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is my perception. Is my perception in line with reality? And you or my buddy Trey, who I mentioned earlier, or, or um, my buddy Jack, they'll be like, no, this this looks really, really great. Yeah. And but also, it still doesn't register. No, but to, it, fully, it doesn't register. But do you find it necessary for those groups? Because I think those I think those are really important on any. To for data on any kind of uh, goal, like to have actual data coming in to also say, like, I see your chipmunk cheeks coming back when you're in the midst of a bulk or in the midst of like all the gyms are shut. And like that data is important, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I also think it's really helpful to have someone in your corner who is even crazier than us. Right. So I'm sure your coach like gets off on like transforming people's bodies like yeah. and it's like this kind of almost like saw it's like what can i carve out of yeah. this like this 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 uh, um body that had been there previously so when you have someone who's even crazier than you it's really um uh helpful yeah because they get re- even more fixated and, and also then you can outsource instead of being the thing that's really um bad about lifting is you're told contradictory messages and you don't have the the wherewithal to figure out which is accurate. So, for example, we're told you have to give 100% at the gym every time. But you're also told 
you know, don't train to don't injure yourself. Right. Well, I don't am, if I do that next set, am I going for 100 percent or have I passed 100 percent and now I'm just going to pull something? Yeah. And I don't you're not going to have the capacity to know. So it's very useful to have some, like, for example, I'm here in L.A. this week. The gyms are closed. It was I needed Trey to tell me it's OK to take these five days off because you already hit Sunday and Monday. It's yeah. not going to affect things. Just, you know, eat kind of lean. So, but without that, I don't know how people do it. I would think they'd be spiraling the whole time. Yeah. I, I, I find that to be so accurate too, just in terms of like image, because when I'm just getting on a scale, that's a metric I can use. Measuring myself is a metric I can use because the mirror is always lying to yes. me. Yes, I'm in a constant battle with the mirror. I can't see it, which I think is also normal since it's happening so gradually, and we we never have a perspective shift. We're not sitting shivin covering the mirror for uh, the entire duration of our diet to have some big revealing. Go Regiment. look at the change. Regiment. What regimen? Yes, regimen. Women have diets. Regimen. I I had trouble saying it. Oh, that's right. You know how to say it. French. I became Antoine. Um, <laughs> But like feedback is really good in those terms oh, yeah. from somebody external who's going like, no, I see progress. Here's what I see. Here's what you're doing. This is the right track, especially if they can understand the kind of garbage that we have in our heads. Well, also when they're like, I understand why you why you think you look like crap. Yeah. So instead of being a cheerleader to be like, no, 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 your distress is valid and you're going to have to suck it up for two weeks. That's also reassuring as opposed to, oh, no, you're silly. You still look great. Don't tell me I look great because I had soy sauce yesterday and I know what I looked like yesterday and I look worse today. Right. I do think, though, that the way you and I are like, I might be able to notice that in you. But I do not think 99% of the general public would. Oh, I know. Yeah, but at the same time, those normies think Doesn't matter. Think Ryan, uh, uh, whatever his name is, uh, I already forgot his name, uh, is photoshopped, so right. they're, they're out of their minds. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They think that's the, the that's as good as Antoine. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's photoshopped. not humanly possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. What? How did you get through quarantine? And quarantine in New York, which was very severe at some point. Um, I got a couple of pairs of weights. Um, I did the best I could on my kitchen floor. Um, it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really rough for a few months there. I'm not going to lie. Cause I was like at my peak, uh, right when it hit. Yeah. And, um, I, I honestly, I think I've blocked it out. Like, I don't even remember, uh, what I had to do, but I, I knew it was a nightmare the whole time. Yeah. Listen, the biggest victims of COVID are us. It's not grandma. Sorry, grandma. Right. She's free now. She's not in pain. Yeah. I'm still bearing the scars yeah. of this great tragedy. We talked a lot on the phone during that time. Sure. I remember at one point you had found somebody, I think it was even a stranger who had left town yeah. and had a gym in their home and you were like, I got it. No, she, she lent me her weights. She lent you her weights, right. right. You, you went and picked up her weights. But there's That's only right. so much you can do with a kettlebell and and 250 pounds dumbbells and 240 pound dumbbells. You know, yeah. you're not doing deadlifts. You're not really doing, you can do goblet squats, I guess, but that's pretty much it. So, and you certainly can't have increasing hypertrophy because it's the same weight week in and week out. Yeah. Was there any part of you that had the like, I'm just going to relax into this and not think about it and go the other direction? What do you mean the other direction? Like, just eat whatever I want, not work out. Oh, okay. <laughs> the idea of eating whatever you want never entered my head as a hypothesis right. at all. That that was never a, 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 oh my God, no. Not an option. The other thing that is frustrating for me, it's not frustrating, this is just a fact of life. Um, my dad is very, very heavy, um, and he's got this big like pumpkin head he looks like a Gamorrean guard like there's like no neck and it's just this big spherical head on his big fat uh, body my mom is still like 110 pounds right so she's very like she's got that like triangular face so when I my body fat reaches a certain point not only do I look get jowly I it's also very aging uh, right. if people look at me when I was on Ruben or, or things like that dressed as Tulsi like I have that haggard look and as soon as my it's like overnight when it drops and I get the cheeks hollowed out I look 20 years younger yeah. and people are like oh you, you've had work done or whatever I'm like no no you can even look at my show week I to week I had worked on overnight no bruising yeah, yeah. but you could no, but you could even see how it's just every week I'm on my show and you could see how the face changes very gradually and then 
then gradually and then suddenly. So I'm at the point now, thankfully, that I'm getting the hollow cheeks again and, and looking my age. And it's because and this isn't me having body dysmorphia in the mirror. It's very helpful when all the fans in the comments are like, what happened to Malice? He looks like an 80-year-old lesbian. And I'm like, I'm trying to look like a 40-year-old lesbian. Right. That's the goal. Yeah. That's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. 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 Do you think that that, um, the the climate of body positivity is a net negative or positive? I think it's a huge negative in the sense that I don't know if you have these issues that we do that we're reachable. Right. And I think it's and I think it's uh I, I think it's very tricky when you're try when you you know what it's like? It's like if you have a relationship and they're like, I love you, I can't live without you, and this person's cheating on you the entire time and stealing your money, right? It's just like your words are saying one thing and your actions are saying another. Yeah. So the corporate media does put out body positivity and I agree with the message. Like if you hate your body so much that it's causing you depression, anxiety, and you're spiraling, that's a real problem. And that person needs help and 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 to be kind of be shifted in a in a more positive direction. But while they're being told your body's great, you're beautiful, every single article about a celebrity who has a transformation is always look how much weight loss Adele has. Look, Ricky Gervais lost his gut. So all the articles, and I'm sure these are the publicists pushing them are always in one direction. They're affirmation when the person loses weight, right. but they're never like, this person gained weight and they look great. Right. So it's it's really like talking out of both sides of their mouth. And of course, that's even more insidious because now when that person is heavy and they're being paid a compliment, they're thinking, you're just saying this to be nice, but you think I'm disgusting. So it's it's I, I, I'm glad I'm not a, a female yeah. because they ha- one of the things I don't there's two things I don't go after people on on Twitter, at least. And I'm pretty vicious. I won't attack someone for their weight and I won't do like homophobic jokes because there's all these comments about like Trump, Putin, like sleeping together or, or Mike Pence being a bottom. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. So you're gay friends. You know, do you look down on them when they're engaging in this kind of behavior? Right. Like, so you're, if you're making fun of, uh, you know, whoever Chris Christie for being overweight, your f- overweight friends are seeing those jokes. Are you thinking the same thing about them when they're not around? So yeah. I'm very kind of careful about that because I don't think uh, those two people, those two populations, I don't look down on them. So I don't want to give that impression at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it does cast a net that would include them. Yeah. When using that kind of, uh, derogatory jargon like i don't know why they would just be excluded well the the overweight liberals don't count yeah it's like oh i I don't mean you but you do yeah i i'm even heavier than this person so what are you saying right right and here's the other thing as you've known in your life when you are a big man or a woman you know you never forget it there's never five minutes where you're like i'm normal like there's all even just from sitting down you know, I had a friend, Lisa Pasquale. She was on my show. She lost a lot of weight. She had to get a um, extender, seatbelt extender on the plane. Like yeah. it's just, it's a constant reminder that this world isn't. It's just like must be like being six eight. You're like you never are not six eight. I actually talked to her on Twitter, oh. and there was a big moment where she didn't have to. She got on a plane and did not need that, and it was like a big fucking celebration, yeah. and, and rightfully so. Those things. It's mortifying having to ask for the seatbelt extender. Yeah, know? yeah. So what she did, she actually had a plane to catch. She went online, and she, there's two brands of seatbelt extender, and she had Amazon Prime send them to her right. so she wouldn't have to ask. I think people uh, could use a little bit more sympathy for people who are overweight um, and how much, how many um, – uh, workarounds that they have to do to just kind of get by. And yeah. I, I feel for people like that a lot. I do too. There, it, It's a weird thing where I, I, I feel for them and I felt for myself. I never could get into the headspace of like things should be changed for my convenience. Sure. I didn't really understand that because I go like, I'm the, I'm the anomaly here. Right. Getting on a plane. I don't think that anybody sits in most coach seats comfortably but they fit i didn't fit i'm the anomaly they shouldn't have to make them bigger for me what did you do how did you get on planes i'd buy two seats wow or fly first class which i would barely fit in that 
too. Really? Yeah. Wait, so was it just hell being in that, that chair, the seat the whole time? Awful. Flying was a nightmare. Like, flying, I don't find flying fun now. But what, what's it like when you're... Tra- First off, flying is rarely fun for anyone, and yeah. I'm a small dude, but like... What, the, so the seat, the, the armrest goes up? Like, where's your butt? Is it in between? Well, the biggest tragedy would be if uh, I'd get a seat and then look for extra legroom and find extra legroom in something like the emergency exit and then come to find out that those hand those armrests don't move. Right. Because that would happen sometimes, too. Um, and then I'd just have to have this moment with the... Uh, stewardess saying i don't think we're allowed to say stewardess anymore anyway i'd say to the stewardess like hey i bought flight these attendant. seats." the flight attendant yeah, yeah. i bought these seats um uh the seat handle doesn't go up can you help me move and then it's a fucking commotion and then you're getting all this attention because like oh the gigantic guy is having an issue with his seat and what a diva yeah it, it was it there's a lot a lot of thought in it you know but i mean it's, it's like every single t- Imagine it's like keeping kosher. Like every single time you're get, going to the establishment, this is something you're, gonna, you're anticipating. It's going to be drama. Yeah, every single time. Oh and even God. on um, first class, uh, that would alleviate some of the stress. Um, but then you get into weird situations where you're like spilling over into your neighbor's chair and like you can't do anything about it. You know, wow. there's nothing I could do about it. And I have sympathy for everything I felt. And all the misery that caused. And then I go like, well, the guy I'm sitting next to really didn't luck out because he's having to deal with part of my body in his space. And too. I paid for, he paid for first class. Yeah. Like I, he didn't pay for this. Yeah. Right. It, it was a fucking shit position to be in. But what, so were you like in physical pain the entire trip? I think I was in physical pain most of the time anyway. Really? Yeah. Feet, legs, back, knees, uh, feeling exhausted you know um the the, the strangest thing occurred to me at some point because i have this this desperation to be early to flights simply because you never know exactly how far you have to walk and as a much larger person this would become incredibly exhausting and so i'd have to take breaks and so that still is with me this like and my wife has no problem like being getting there at the last second, running to the gate, being the last person on the plane. I could never no, no, do I this. That's, that's Russian roulette. I could never do this. But really because if I had to rush at 500 pounds, that sense that like I made it in the nick of time that my wife can have, I, I can't experience that in the same way because if I have to rush, it's such an exertion. I'm pouring sweat. It's as though I just did a a tremendous cardio class plus carrying all this extra weight. So I'm so exhausted and and it just doesn't the, there's the benefit isn't great enough for the risk. The the reward is like I've made it and now I'm sitting here in sopping wet clothes, completely exhausted, maybe on the verge of having a heart attack from rushing to make it to the plane. So I would always err on like you tell me I have to be an hour early. I'm going to be two hours early, wow. and I'm going to take my time because because rushing to me um, equals just total exhaustion, which is such a strange thing because it's not true today. Today right, right. I could rush, but I I I fight against it so much simply because like there's so many unknowns. Um, you know, sometimes you have to walk to another terminal. This would be a disaster for me back in the day. How hard was it going up a set of stairs? a nightmare and I didn't like people to hear me breathe so I would often hold my breath so if I was going up a set of stairs with other people it it was I would always like find some reason to move aside once we got there like I have to go to the bathroom just to breathe and get my breathing under control stuff like that you know these are things that I don't I don't know if sympathy is the right thing but just understanding like that's what this person's going through you know yeah, it, it's uh, something I'm very concerned about is there's an enormous segment of the population who are reactionary in the sense of if you're being told to like something, I'm going to not like it out of purpose, on purpose, don't tell me what to do. And I can like that sense of defiance as an American, but I, I, what I'm concerned about is as there's this pressure to be like, 
you know, health at every size, body positivity, a lot of people are going to make it a point to be like, ha ha fatty, yeah. just out of a sense of spite. But you're, you're trying to spite that corporate journalist, but you're really spiting someone who's not having such a good time. And the worst thing that they did is have issues with food and they don't know how to manage, you know, their calorie intake. So I would hope that they would take a second and pause and not feel this need to kind of uh, defiantly say screw you because the person you're targeting isn't really the villain here. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, when I first saw it, I think it was like the cover of Cosmo, maybe even Cosmo Europe or something like that, of like, this is healthy and it showed a large gal. To me, all that was like, fuck you guys, why would you do this? All this is going to do is get people calling her fat, yeah. being mean to her. And... And there are so many other layers to like the honesty in it or the dishonesty in it. Can somebody be healthy at that size? Of course. Sure. There are no absolutes here. Um, is she healthy? We don't know. We're not looking at all these things. She looks very happy. Mental health is certainly a part of physical health. Um, but I think picking that fight, especially if you're not like if you're a very large person and you're going, I am healthy, then by all means do your thing. But for some corporate entity to pick that fight makes me terrifically uncomfortable. Just with, you see, the biggest reaction is no, it's not. They're not healthy. So now we have to get back into this, which I think for the most part, uh, people who are overweight either one don't really care about what level their health has, and they're perfect welcome to that sure i never really like health was not a metric that i was concerned with um and i don't think it has to be something we're concerned with like this idea that everybody must be healthy whose fucking idea was that fuck right. that right don't go anywhere we'll be right back But then the the other one of like yeah people just saying like fuck you fatso stuff it's like why start why why pull that bandaid off I don't think it's necessary yeah and it, it, I mean uh, there was this it, it's when you look at what it's like growing up for people like this who are taught maybe bad eating habits at home where their whole family's heavy and they think it's genetic uh, I was of the belief since like, I would have bet money on it that it was literally impossible for me to gain weight. And, you know, I had to be told, well, if you eat more, you have to gain weight. There's no, nowhere else for it to go. I think that is a much more unhealthy message when people are thought are taught it's entirely genetic yeah. and you have no capacity to change your weight. It's like, okay, or they, or they think it's either genetic or starvation. It's like, no, you, you're telling me you can't easily, not easily, but like through some fairly sustainable changes, lose 20 pounds and you're 300 yeah. and when you put in those terms it's like you know but but they really are being forced into this binary metric which is not accurate and i think also which you see a lot is these family dynamics which is if everyone is morbidly obese and someone decides to do something about it even try that is going to cause a lot of pressure in that family community because if you're going to lose the weight, then I don't have any excuses or rationalizations why I haven't. So that person is often under the, the, the target of enormous attack from his own family members through passive aggression and sarcasm. Is like, does anyone else want gravy in their mashed potatoes? Oh, I know Ethan's not having because he's Mr. Healthy. Right. And it's like that's really dark and insidious, and it, it happens a lot with young people, and, and I really feel for them. Yeah. I, do you think that um, – that- the the our overlords i like to think of them as overlords <laughs> the corporate press the politicos these things when they cast these nets and i think that there is often some kind of financial incentive behind it whether it's um the more people that are overweight we can give them pills medication blood pressure medication or statins or whatever it is do you do you think that there's and i i can't say it's like some cabal with some rich pharmaceutical guy sitting sure. in the back office but i do tend to start to see like f so much food is subsidized in america we don't i think being fat is certainly preferable to starving sure um so there's rationalities there um and and as the population grows more and more over fat, 
the average statistics are going to move in that direction. And we're going to see that over fat is now more healthy because if everybody's fat, then it's just what degree of fat are you? Because that's how we get our averages anyway. I think of it more in terms of Brave New World. In Brave New World, which I think is much more uh, ports to reality than 1984, the mechanism for social control was through the use of hedonism and pleasure, right? They, they had these orgies. They would take these uppers to maintain this state of kind of mind-numbed uh, uh, happiness. But I think a lot of pressure in our uh, society is towards pleasure pressure is toward pleasure at the expense of happiness happiness being a long-term state it has to be earned it's the productive work it's through you know achieving accomplishments whereas pleasure is momentary and it's very short-term thinking so i think a lot of it is eat this sugary food eat this salty snack eat drink this soda you're going to feel nice for that little burst of whatever serotonin or whatever you're getting in your or or, or dopamine and it's not going to be good for you long term. But this kind of when it's, you know, when pack animals, which they're trying to make, you know, the population out to be when they're in a, kind of a state of pleasure 24 seven, it's going to be very hard for them to uh, revolt or be upset about things because you're kind of feeling good all the time. It's like this kind of very natural, low key being high. Yeah. Yeah. Give them their Big Macs. Yeah. And their iPhones. And watch this games. dopey show. Yeah. It will tell you when to laugh. We have the laugh track. And like, right. oh, look, watch this reality TV. You're not stupid because look at this person who's stupider than you. And, right. and you know, you can feel good about yourself, not bettering yourself. Yeah. Because there's you can't be a loser because that person's a bigger loser or a bigger moron or whatever. So I think that is how it, it operates. That seems more accurate to me. And then even finding... Um even amidst the booming diet industry, finding stuff that works long term is also really, really difficult. It's not it doesn't seem to be the stuff that makes the most money. Yeah, I, I, we, I think people are trained to think that if you want to make like big changes through your, to your body or to your lifestyle, it's going to be something really weird that's going to involve a lot of willpower. Right, we have this idea, this this Protestant work ethic and the spirit of capitalism that Max Weber talked about. That hard work is inherently good, right? So it's kind of like, unless I am having a day to day struggle with my food, it's not going to be work. It's not going to work. Right. And I don't have that. Uh, it, it, despite what I just said earlier, I don't have that day to day struggle with my food because I eat the same thing every day. So I'm never tempted to make bad choices. Whereas if you are like, I'm only going to eat grapes that's not lifetime sustainable and you're setting yourself up to fail. And then you could say with a straight face, none of these diets work. Right. Well, they don't. Yeah. They're not designed to be systemic, long-term changes to approach. And another thing, both you and I, maybe, yeah, like the, the soy sauce uh, is one example, but I'm on this trip. I'm not counting macros. Right. I have like one rule, which is try to eat high protein, low carb for five days. And I've literally zero stress about my food. I had my favorite food now two days in a row, which is Baskin Robbins pink bubblegum <laughs> ice cream. It's hard to find New York. Uh, they shut down 10 minutes early yesterday at, at really? 9.50. And I was banging that glass. And I'm like, I came from New York. Right. Did and they give it to you? They gave it to me. Nice. Yeah, they were very, very nice. Uh, I didn't have to go Al-Qaeda on that Baskin Robbins. <laughs> right. But... And I'm not going to feel kind of guilt about it because it's like I'm away. So I'm not really kind of my day-to-day -day stuff and giving myself a little permission to do that. But I, I think there's – and the other thing is bro science. You know, like if you go online, oh, you're man. giving contradictory information. It's just why it's so useful just like with, with weights to find someone who knows what they're doing and doesn't have some kind of wacky gimmick and is like, all right, let's figure out something that's going to take no willpower – on your part and is just taking your because our thinking got us to this wrong place yeah so you think do the thinking for me just like an accountant right you go to your accountant you're like i don't need to know the tax code because you do and i'm going to follow your orders so you tell me what to eat well i can't do this i can't do that let's accommodate those things i can't do and, and work out a plan that way yeah i think also I, just one more thing yeah, yeah. Pay that person. You right. know what I mean? Like if it, I promise you it's worth it to pay that, what, $200 a month? Uh, you're going to be saving in food costs alone. Right. Yeah. I, I think as far as um, the, the necessity for hard work and the feeling of accomplishment through that, anything, 
anything we've done for a long time that we want to undo is going to seem like it's hard work sure. at first. But then if you're, if you're really talking, and I, I do really appreciate your use of regimen instead of diet, because I think, uh, I think when we talk about like things like postmodern deconstruction and stuff like that, there is some truth that language can change sure. the way we experience something. And, so if you're on a diet, this is a short period of time. Right. And if you're on a regimen, this is just a change to yeah. life. And, you know, if you're thinking about it in those terms, they are two completely different things. And I think the word diet implies an antagonistic relationship with your body, whereas regimen is like me and my body are working together toward a goal. Right. And this is literally just like, language having a slightly different effect on how we view reality yeah yeah so i i it's it's, it's just a funny little thing i'm a stickler about i like it yeah, no i like it. you just don't I, know how to pronounce it I, I i don't know how to pronounce it and and i do think in terms of uh different definitions for diet and so one is just how we eat and so i try to apply that more often than the restrictive idea of yeah. you know what what is your diet is whatever it is versus this hard thing I'm doing. Um, but I like regimen too. Yeah, if I could pronounce it correctly, I would probably use it more. <laughs> yeah. I've talked about it so much ad nauseum on this show. I've talked about regimen and trying to pronounce it. Yeah. And Paige gives me a fucking terrible <laughs> time. And then we get so many comments about my pronunciation of it, which is fun too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But like this act of, if you need it to be hard, it's hard. Yeah. But then it's life. And once it's life, it's not hard anymore. It's just how you live. But also the idea that just because something's hard, that means it's the right thing to do is not accurate. Right. And also the other thing people need to realize is a lot like um, in the same way we're learning, I'm going to use an extreme example, like Bill Cosby. Like Mr. Dad is not really that nice of a person behind the screen. You look at these people who are on Instagram or you know fitness models and they tell you what they're doing. And a lot of times they're lying. Yeah. So don't – and they're not in a position to kind of ex, you know be more explicit about what supplements or whatever they're taking. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, maybe not literally if you're trying to lose sodium, but, you know, or soy sauce. <laughs> right. <laughs> take it with a grain of celery salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the things, too, when I start to look at uh, some of these guys and show my wife pictures of – She's like, you, you, you have no idea what that person's doing. And it's like, okay, that's fair. Let me give you a great example. There was this movie called I Want to Be Like That Guy, I think it was called. The premise was some regular schlub wanted to look like a fitness model. Right. And I forget the guy's name who was his coach, but the guy was an IFBB pro, like jacked out of his mind. And he insisted that he's a natural bodybuilder and has never used steroids. Now, anyone who has even a rudimentary knowledge of human anatomy takes one look at him and go, it's, it's, it's not even remotely close to humanly possible, even if you hit the genetic lottery, to look like this without using gear for a long period of time. And I thought, okay, this guy is a con artist, and it's really kind of... And the, the guy believed him. You, the whole movie is... Uh, the, the conclusion of this documentary, which is so stupid, which is like, well... He's just genetically lucky. There's nothing I can do that would make me look like him. And it's like, mm. but I saw another interview with this bodybuilder coach and they asked him about, and he goes, well, you know, there's other athletes who kind of live this natural lifestyle, like this one, this one, and Ronnie Coleman, who was eight time Mr. Olympia. I'm like, okay. They tried to say Ronnie Coleman was well, natural? At that point, he's just basically being he, like, right. yeah, he's just, the mask is off and he's just trolling. He's yeah. like, yeah, if you think Mr. Olympia, the biggest man on earth is just not using gear, like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. So it, that was as much as he, I'm sure, could let the mask drop because there is, I think, an enormous stigma when people are doing any kind of illicit substance, even though it's pervasive in sports. It's just really funny. Like, people understand, like, virtually everyone in these competitive sports is using something, yeah. but then they'll think of, like, a bodybuilder whose only job is to get as muscular as possible. They're clean. They're clean. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. Right. It, 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 it is. A, but that's where guys like uh, Derek and More Plates, More Dates comes in handy because he he offers such comprehensive knowledge in stuff like that. So I think it's true. A lot of the stuff we see online is total bullshit. 
but then you can find stuff where the guy's like being as honest as humanly possible too. Yeah, and, yeah. and trying to dissect other areas where you can get honesty. I think if you ever look at anybody who's giving you advice that doesn't seem like it could give logically long-term sustainable progress, like why even pay attention to that person? Yeah, but I think we're so trained to take things at face value. This is the people who would have told you in the 60s that they know Liberace's straight because have you ever seen him with a man? So how do you know, right? right? So it's like, how, have you ever seen Ronnie Coleman you know, taking steroids? You haven't. So how do you know? Maybe he's just, there's got to be one guy who's luckier than everybody else. And like kind of in the industry, people are just like, I don't even know how to begin talking to you. Like Liberace, really. But yeah. like that's just kind of the the mentality because using these these substances is bad. This person is good. Um, and and therefore, yeah, another one, Kristen Nunn, who I mentioned on your show last time. I forgot if I told this story. She's a female bodybuilder. She looks absolutely amazing. Um, and she had a post on her Instagram where she's like, you know, do you think I use gear? And all her fans are like, no, Kristen, you're just using hard work. And she never claims otherwise. You right. know what I mean? Like for a female to get to that level and more power to them if they're being healthy about it and using it in a kind of educated way. But they will tell her to her face when she's not denying anything. Uh, no, you're, you're, you don't do that because only bad people do that. Right. It's like when we were kids, if you knew that some celebrity was a stoner, like yeah, this would be deal. like oh, it was would be a big deal, and yeah. now it's just kind of that edibles and all this stuff is legal. It's gone up, you know. Like they, it would be less shameful to be like I went to rehab than that I'm a recreational pot smoker. It's just like you're going to rehab for serious stuff. Yeah. So it's it's very odd what's allowed and what's not allowed. But I think there's also a ton of like uh, really misconstrued data out there too. Like um, there was a at my one of my kids' schools there were kids who were taking weight gainer shakes that had creatine in it. Okay. This is completely, this is not a steroid. Creatine right, not, is not, not, not a not steroid. Remotely. It's an amino acid. Yep. It's completely natural. It's, uh, there's, I, I, I've looked at it a lot and not seen anything where it doesn't say like five years at five grams a day is zero problems associated. And there are outliers certainly, sure. but broadly this is a fine thing to take for anyone. No studies linking it to any problems at all. And yet the teachers got pissed off and took this away and said, then said the kids were not allowed to have it without a doctor's permission slip. And I go like, I'm talking to my kids going creatine. I think creatine's fine. And they're like, no, it's bad, dad. Creatine's bad. But so, I just think there's a, a lot of stuff out there that people have no real understanding of. And I think that's also by design. In, right. in Sweden, there's a um, they stop – please double check me because I could be talking out of my ass, but I, I think I'm 90% sure. They stop like bodybuilders in the street and they can test them. Like, because they're so anti the use of like steroids and, and, and the testosterone. So it's just a crazy kind of culture over there. Really? Yeah. There's this one guy, I forget his name. He's just jacked out of his mind. I follow him on Insta and he complains about it on his thing. It's like, why are you harassing me? You like, know? the cops are pulling yeah. him over and giving him blood tests. Yeah. And what or urine happens? tests, wherever it is. I don't know. What I don't have any. The ketchup, does he go to jail? I don't know what happens. Like, wow. it's. It, please look this up because this is. This is. Uh, I, I wish I knew more about this before, before I brought it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait to dig into that. That seems wild to me. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, now there are, um, there are centers, I think, at least in Oregon and California, where, like, if you're 15 years old and trans, you go in and they give you gear. But that's what people don't understand. Like, we talk about trans people using hormones. Like, steroids is testosterone. So anyone who is F to M is on testosterone, is on steroids. Like, that word, hormones, has a positive emotional connotation. The word steroids has a negative emotional connotation. It's literally the same thing. Right. But, like, people can't wrap their heads around it because this is something that people take and then they beat up their girlfriend or they become these kind of football right. player meatheads, whereas this is something that helps someone transition. Everyone has testosterone testosterone you know so it's a very weird what is a, and also i think 
in in a large part this is because of sports yeah right they don't want people understandably to be taking long because if you're using serious stuff for a long time i think that is very clearly it has deleterious effects on your health sure. ronnie coleman who i just mentioned recently was whatever eight time mr olympia he can't walk anymore uh you know he's gone these crutches now it's really interesting because you watch the documentary on him they don't mention gear at all yeah like and it's just like like who are you fooling um but that and that's I've been looking uh, Generation Iron on. I follow them on Instagram, and the past couple of days, every day, uh, bodybuilders died under sixty. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just... da- Dallas McCarver is another one. Like because yeah. when you're at that level, a lot of times they're taking what is it HGH, but you also need to take insulin. And if you mess up the insulin, you could die. They're really taking playing Russian roulette uh, yeah. at that level. I saw uh, Rich um, Piana is another one who he you died. Know, he yeah. died. Um, you know it, these people die very, very young. Insulin but it's also is having the craziest fucking thing that anybody would want to take. But it's also the level of muscle mass in proportion to your heart. So even like if even if you're just 400 pounds of fat or 400 pounds of muscle, it's not going to be 400 pounds. It's still going to same stress on your. It's going to be stress. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a wild thing. In sports, I I, I really like this analogy that um, uh, pro wrestling was the most legitimate sport because it was so obviously fake. Right. And 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 then I think about like my experiences with sports, like what Lance Armstrong meant to me. I and, thought you were going to say, remember the Titans. Well, yeah, completely different. Completely. I mean, that was a whole other period in my life where I just didn't care about sports at all. I just wanted to exist in pure gluttony. Um, but like Lance Armstrong gave this message of hope to so many people. And I went to a bunch of Livestrong events and, uh, and like, it was so positive and he also was so entertaining that he got me interested in cycling now maybe he was a dick to people and when you hear about the stories that recount his behavior to other people they sound like he was a pretty dickish dude on some occasions but like the the use of peds for me when you look at how many other guys got popped that were around him, it was like anybody who won in those years was using something. Yeah. Um, he, he had the best cycle or whatever. And I don't know. I, I'm not mad at him. Well, I'm mad at him that he, uh, made it out to be just hard work. Okay, fair. And, and that's giving people, like, a lot of these bodybuilders who are, like, the Gymshark guys, right? They all have to claim Natty. Is that true? Yeah. So if you look at them on Instagram, they're these guys look amazing, very young, very kind of cut, and just, like, superhuman. And they all insist that they're not using anything. And, and they will tell you with a straight face, well, you've never seen me inject anything, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. Liberace, I've never seen you with another dude, but right. at a certain point, this is just becomes a function of anatomy. Right. So I think that is a very, and you know, since they're young, and they're t- talking to young guys, like I can understand the kind of like why it's important not to encourage young people to use, you know, drugs that are gonna kind of screw them up. Possibly they're sure. not gonna have the capacity, or at that age, especially when your body's still developing, it might be dangerous. I don't know. I'm not a bodybuilder. I don't know about this stuff that much. Um, but I think, you know, just when you have systemic deception, uh, I, I tend to think that that at the very least is going to have enormous costs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't like the deception either. I, I, I agree with, I agree with that. Um, but here's the other thing I think, like if you talk to any of these people, like, in like regular circumstances, they're pretty free and open. I think yeah. back in the day there used to be a denial, but I think now there's a big understanding that this is just what you have to do to compete at that level, and there's not really this stigma about it. I, but I think it's from sport to sport, it's different. Sure, like sure. cycling, I think it's take. I mean, I think it's taken very seriously in MMA in cycling. But are you are, are we saying that football players are are being tested as vigorously as people in Europe cycling or, or as UFC players. I just don't think they are. Well, even if they are, I think that's when you have the coach or the coaches or the fitness coaches are there not because they, um, you know, are particularly good at fitness, but they're the ones who know how to work their way around the test and, and and are good chemists. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the kind of thing with just recreational drugs. Like they'll ban whatever Molly, 
and then someone in a lab will just change one molecule, which will have the same net effect as the drug, but now it's legal. So it's the kind of thing, okay, I know on Tuesday you're going to be tested for substances A, B, C, D through F. So I'm going to figure out, because all you have to do, it's just a cutting weight for fights, right? Like you walk around at 190. On I know on March 1st, 10 a.m., I have to be 170, but I could be 190 that afternoon, and I could be 190 now. It's just I just have to get through this one little hurdle. Yeah. So that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I just recently got blood work done uh, during COVID, and I'm sitting there with my – I am vascular – and she's trying to find, you know, the right spot. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is the one thing I would think my vascularity is of use for. Yeah. Like you can see them pretty clearly. And it was horrible because I'm not a fan of needles, to put it mildly. Um, not, not that I have a huge phobia. I just don't like it. So she calls over her colleague and they're both, you know, tapping, looking over my arms and they start arguing and they're raising their voices. And I'm like, when I was a kid, this is a thing. Uh, if you're too tense when they're trying to draw blood, your your veins and arteries tighten yeah. and it doesn't flow. Like I didn't, The body's amazing. And that happened they me, all disappear. Yeah. That happened to me once as a kid. And the guy's like, I'm going to have to prick you again. I, nothing came out. So I'm trying to keep myself calm because I want the blood to flow out of me. They're screaming about my veins. And I go, listen, guys. I'm trying to be calm. Can you please not be yelling at yeah. each other? And he's like, oh, you know, we don't, we're not angry. This is, we're just coworkers. You do this all the time. I go, okay, I don't care. I just need you to be calm because I'm trying to be calm. Right. So they stuck me and they got the blood, but it was it was not a fun experience. I had a bizarre experience when, the last time I gave blood. I went to the gym. I drank a lot of water. I wanted to be as vascular as possible. I came in protruding veins and I sat down. And she was digging around for a non-visible vein. Yeah. And I was like, you can do this one. Yeah, yeah. This one is clear as day. I don't mind. Just stick the needle in yeah. there. And she's like, no, we like down in here. And I'm like, but you don't, there's nothing there. You could go up an inch on my bicep and see yeah. the vein. Get that. Yeah. They wanted to put it right in there. Yeah. I was so confused. Like, it's all, see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't hate needles as much as you. And I actually offered to do it for her. Um, oh my god which she uh didn't take kindly to oh she, she god. was she was a little bit put off she's like i can do it just fine I was well like, data oh, says if, otherwise if you miss i'm gonna get <laughs> did you say two. that yeah i said if you miss i'm getting round two i didn't miss i'm a blue check yeah i don't know who i am <laughs> right exactly god damn it i will do this i have experience <sighs> my god that's amazing Michael Malice, thank you so much. No, thank you, Ethan. Do you have any words of wisdom? Last time you gave the great analogy, which I've repeated about uh, you don't have to be the best writer. Yeah. Every Look at all these terrible books. That could be you, which I think works out into any facet of life. Um, I w- yeah, and I, that certainly applies here. You can, And the other piece of advice I would have is if you're in a bad place, you don't have a girlfriend, you got unemployed, you're not going to be able to make rent. If you start working out, you will have quantifiable data to calm your brain down because you'll say, last week I benched 110, now I could bench 115. This is objective improvement, so I'm not in a rut because in at least one metric of my life, things are getting better, and that's really kind of great for mental health, I found. It's incredible. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. And now for the Q&A. I always forget to say that, and then you give me a little nudge. Uh, and now for the Q&A. Yeah, that's maybe my, you have to do it sometimes. No, I'm not saying it. I just wanted to say it once. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you from James. Hi, James. James says, my question is about maintenance periods. I'm yeah. a UPS delivery driver, maintenance, which you talk about a bunch. He says, I'm a UPS delivery driver, and I'm returning to work after putting on 60 pounds from a back injury and surgery. When I meal prep and eat responsibly, I lose three to four pounds during the work week, which is great, but I don't know how much longer that will last. Could my weekends be a long enough maintenance period, or do I need to figure out how to eat way more during the week? Huh. Okay. Good question. Uh, A weekend is not a maintenance period. Um, So I would look at... uh, 
I would look for for real specific answers on. I think the guys at RP have a have a chart, and it's like if you have if you have been in a fat loss, uh, in a state of fat loss for X. There's like a chart where it's like you tick a number of boxes, and that determines how long you should do maintenance for. Maintenance should really be longer than fat loss. So if you do fat loss for 12 weeks straight, you're, you're supposed to do, I think, at least 12 weeks of maintenance for your body to really adjust to this weight, cool out your hormones to go back to normal. Um, so no, a weekend will not cut it. Um, I don't know how long you've been losing weight and how long and how much more weight you have to lose. Um, certainly you don't need a maintenance period after a week or two of dieting, but I know I can get, I can go uh, so long at dieting that I wake up one day and then it's all just falling apart because I didn't put in a maintenance period. And so I would suggest really sitting down and, uh, and I, I talk about RP and, and Lane Norton uh, because those guys are looking at real scientific studies on this and it's capturing the, the averages. And so the averages are, are real interesting and we can start to apply averages to ourselves and then go, um, where do I need to adjust here? I'll take the average and then I'll apply it to myself and then I'll start adjusting. Um, for myself, whatever my needs are. Um, <clears throat> so no, a, a weekend is not long enough. It, it should like proper maintenance should be at least as long as, you know, especially if we're talking about massive fat loss, um, should be at least as long as, as you're dieting as that portion, like you're going to do, uh, two months or three months of fat loss. And, and look, if you have a ton of weight to lose, it doesn't have to be exactly that, but um, I think 10 to 12 weeks is, I believe what they recommend as the minimum for a maintenance period. So that's, that's what I have to say to that. Uh, thank you for your question. If you have a question you would like me to talk about on this show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs> <laughs>